Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. X-Ray Vision Part 12 by Elaine Mature Tuesday afternoon, Nick. Here's the ones the boss wants checked out. Jillian had a list of names and addresses. The public defender on their case had ratted them out, worried they wouldn't show, it would look bad for him. Didn't say it outright, just hinted at it, couldn't give details without some ethical issue but suggested a visit might be in order. A new guy on the job, more worried about his reputation and career than his clients. What I expect for free, Tito had his motorcycle, an Enfield, practical and efficient, no farkle, just like him. Room for two, I was good with riding behind, Jillian said take the truck. Who knows, we might have an extra passenger by the time we were done. Truck was at the condo. Hoof it. Tito was going down the list, probably memorizing the details, he's like that. Without looking up. Take my bike to Jillian's, get the keys from Greg, go from there. I wasn't worried about a helmet, figure I've got some luck left, and Tito is a pretty cautious driver. But hey, he has a spare hanging from the pillion. A little big on me, but Tito insisted on adjusting the strap before he would let me get on Dada. Kelly must have a big head doubt we got to Jillian's place but nobody home. Jill had said, keys in a drawer in the kitchen, so near but so far. We could do this on the bike. But Tito was doing something at the front door, and whoops. It's open. I see him slip a leather case back in his jacket. Those are illegal in most states. Not if you don't get caught, I guess. And we had permission anyway. He was in and out, had the keys in his hand, holds them out. He wants me to drive. Not the usual way with kick-ass strongmen like Tito. I'm learning. Everything about Tito is different. First address, near downtown, a duplex behind Eastwoods. Not a terrible neighborhood, but not great. I park just up the block, but Tito doesn't get out, just craning his neck, having a good look around. How you want to do this? He's asking me? Got to get my head in the game. Ask some questions, check his state of mind. See if he's home, see if his vehicle is here. Reverse that. He smiled, nodded. So first off, the garage is open, no car. A motorcycle is out front, some tools on a leather pad, unrolled, more tools in the leather thingy pockets. What's the offense? Without looking. Assault, a dispute about a parking lot accident. Of course, he had the list memorized. Sounded fairly normal. Folks could get emotional about their ride. Maybe that bike? Got a dented pipe, the mounting strap is off, a long box on the floor inside, parts? Tito raised an eyebrow, nodded agreement but clearly, he'd seen all that, just checking with the partner? Making sure we were on the same page. He wouldn't leave all that out, not in this neighborhood, he must be home. Getting a drink, taking a piss, answering the phone. Agreement again. And here we go he's coming out of the garage, a cordless phone in one hand, the other hand waving around, agitated. Together we open our doors, step out. Tito heads toward him on the sidewalk. I take the street, casual, non-threatening. Not like I could take this guy, he's big. Not tall, but wide, legs filled those leathers, boots. A short sleeve tee, vest over it, chains closing it, some tats. Looks like, well, a motorcycle club member doubt we get close, he sees Tito, says something, switches the phone off. So hey, what's up? My briefcase getting nervous? He was expecting us, or somebody like us. Tito smiles his small smile, stops just out of range, polite, careful. I continue past, hit the sidewalk just beyond them, arms all relaxed, just watching. He sees me, blinks, not concerned but just checking me out, turns back to Tito. From my angle I could see the club emblem on his vest. See he wasn't carrying, no bulge in those tight pants. Maybe in his boot but I don't think so, riding boots are really snug. Crenshaw bail bond, just here on a routine visit. The guy looks annoyed. I said I gotta take a ride clear my head? And this sweep things I'm running? I'm just gonna fix my bike, take a day trip down the coast road. Court date isn't until next month. And like I give a shit about this charge. He's annoyed, but something else too. Not getting irate, working himself up like a guy that feels wronged. Quiet resigned. Gotta put a dent in your plans, bike out of commission. Then, 30 days is no joke, job on the line, gotta pay the rent. Tito was giving him an opening, seeing if he'd say something, 
Give something away. He didn't respond, just turned, looked at the bike for a long moment. Turned back, still ignoring me, gestured with his palms up, like, what are you gonna do? My lady can cover the rent. She's mad, sure, but she has my back, understands what my bike means to me. How I got myself into this. Do the crime, do the time. I'm not running from anything. I did slug that guy. He probably didn't deserve it, but I was worked up. Tito didn't seem concerned either. He was actually relaxing. Got a sympathetic look, nodding. So he dented your bike? He a rider? Somebody, not a biker, hits my ride, I'm gonna be steamed. Not even a rider. Just a... His shoulders slump. He's not proud of this. His whole posture is of a guy who's done something dumb, and knows it. Tito waits him out. Okay, see, I'm at this bar. I don't like to park my baby in the drunk slot, too easy to get dinged. My bike's parked just down from the dock, they got a loading dock on the side. I come out, not even late. Afternoon, a club committee meeting, I'm road captain, we got this ride coming up, gonna miss it now. Anyway, I get out just in time to see a delivery truck backing up, the idiot's gonna miss the dock by a mile. I yell, he looks at me but keeps drifting, drifting, like in slow motion I watch him stare at me, I point and yell and he hits the brake exactly too late, I hear it crunch. He's more upset about the damage to the bike, than the trouble he's in. A real biker, this guy. The bike, the club's his life, that's clear. So you pull him out, give him a going over? Tito is guessing, keep the guy talking. No. It's just some dumb kid. I don't hit kids. I yell at him, sure, call him some names, but he's all red, apologizing, scared. The owner comes out, lit into me, told me to back off, leave his driver alone. Says it's just a bike, I should get a life. Tito understands. The owner, not a biker, not a rider, didn't understand, was mouthing off, slang his ride. So he punched him. And now, clearly, regrets it. They stood a while, just two riders, both looking at the bike now, that ugly dent, the tragedy of it all. Here's how I see it, for what it's worth. You appear on the charge, they'll give you 30 days, no contest. Our client agreed. That seemed inevitable. But maybe you won't have to appear. Okay, I wasn't following. Tito can't be suggesting he skip? No, he has something else in mind. He had our guy's attention now. Nobody wants lawyers in this. Nobody wants it this way. The driver, the kid? Probably his nephew or some shit. The bar owner was just standing up for his own. You want this to go away. You meet with the bar owner. Explain, say what you said to me. Tell him you won't contest it. Sorry, shouldn't have slugged him. He's got any heart at all, he'll drop the charge. Shake the guy's hand, could be that ends it? Biker guy stands up straighter. He's on board with this. The right thing to do anyway. You slug a guy didn't deserve it. You gotta apologize, take your lumps. Bikers, they have ethics, people forget that. Tito reaches out, they shake, and we're done here. I in the truck, I gotta say something. People open up to you. Tito flashes that tight smile. People want to open up. It was written all over him. He had to tell somebody. He was hurting. Interrogation isn't about bullying a confession, making them talk. It's more often, letting them talk. They get started, it all comes out. Regular citizens anyway, sociopaths, that's a different situation. He clearly thought a lot about his. Read a lot? More I know about Tito, the more competent he seems. Approaches everything methodically, scientifically. Tito the professional. Maybe I won't call him that, not to his face. Next stop, an address in the suburbs, a development north of town. Used to be a cornfield but now cul-de-sacs with the same seven houses over and over. Looks kinda new but getting worn around the edges. Probably all the families with kids, kids can be hard on a property. Our stop minivan in the driveway, basketball backboard over the garage. Plastic trike, waiting pool in the yard, grass worn from kids racketing around. This the right address? Tito didn't respond, just had me park behind the minivan, set the brake. What's he thinking? Soccer mom gonna make a run for it? It's protocol, I guess that ding dong. Fancy doorbell, sound like a grandfather's clock chime. Little kid face pressed to the glass beside the front door, disappears then. Mum. From inside. What's the charge? I was curious. Shoplifting animal crackers? Assault with a deadly weapon. Huh. Well, maybe if somebody threatened her kids? Don't mess with Mama Tiger, you can't win. Door opens, nice housewifey lady answers, bright smile, clearly been cooking. Flower on shoes, wiping her hands with a towel. Crinshaw, ma'am. Here to do a routine check. Smile disappears. Swings the door wide, 
heads back to the kitchen without saying anything, so we follow Dachi's back in the kitchen chopping vegetables on a big cutting board, really getting into it. Chop. Chop. Huge expensive knife, fancy island, marble countertop. Somebody is making bank. Go play in the backyard, honey. She's dismissing a kid, maybe ten. Looks like they're gonna protest but gets a look at her do what I told you now face and decides not to push it. Once they've opened the sliding door, slipped out, slammed it shut she starts in. That bitch decide to harass us some more? What is it this time? Wants me to wear an ankle bracelet. Put a tracker on my car? She's tried it all. No, ma'am. Just checking in. Make you aware of the court date. She snorted, pointed to a calendar hanging on the side of the fridge. Crammed with dentist appointments, PDA meetings, ball practices and all the rest of the busy family stuff. Circled in red, her appearance that I look at Tito, wondering where this all came from. How could anybody imagine she would skip? She was the poster child for community-connected family-invested safe bail no-risk client. Something about plans to leave the country? Rolls her eyes, keeps on chop. Chop. But harder now. We were gonna visit Shelley's mom in Canada, over the school break. Those plans all in the shitter now, conflicts with my appearance date and the bitch knows it. Ma'am? Tito not sure what that could be about. She made the travel arrangements. Her agency. Plane tickets, hotel, theme park admission. But now, she says, non-refundable. So sorry. Bunch of bullshit. Made those plans six months ago. It's all on her computer. She fixed it. Trying to screw us. Pretend we're gonna make a run for it. Not cancelling our tickets then reporting us for having them. Typical entitled bitch crap. Why would she do that, ma'am? Tito, being noncommittal but still looking for the story behind the story. Because, because she's a Karen. Thinks she's God's gift to the community. Protecting her neighbors from the evil lesbian couple down the block. Shit. I was gonna have a hard time being impartial on this one. The charge is assault? Folks get nervous about that, have been known to do rash things. We're just here to get the lay of the land, make this go smooth, help any way we can. P.S.H.H.H.T. She wasn't buying it I had to say something. Ma'am? I'm having a hard time putting this all together. You kids assault? Could you lay it out for us? She stopped chopping, looked at me for the first time. Recognized me for who I was a young butch woman, sympathetic, ready to listen dot a big sigh, and she marshaled her thoughts, gathering the vegetable carnage into a bowl. She put the knife down which made me feel better anyway. Soccer practice. I'm dropping off the kids. Everything's hunky-dory. Then Karen pulls up. Sneers at me like she always does. Parks across the way so her kids don't have to be exposed to mine. Her three run along, leaving her to carry all their gear. Spoiled brats. I say hello. Like we're neighbors, which we are. Like I'm one of her customers. She can take our money but anyway. She's opening the back door, pulling bags out, gear for her three kids. I tell mine to give her a hand, all neighborly. At this point her face flares angry, remembering. She flinches like they're diseased, yells at them to stop. Put that down. Don't touch my stuff. So I say run along kids, I've got this. They go, looking back, wondering what was the deal. So I step up, ready to lend a hand, she lays into me. You don't belong here. You and your kids shouldn't be allowed with decent people. Don't you ever let them get near my boys. She's breathing hard, still mad. Still upset at her kids being called trash. That had to be hard to take. Tito is still playing therapist, making leading comments. Maybe she'll say more than she means to. It's nothing new. Get it all the time, at the bank, at the pool. Never get put on committees at PDA. All that bitch is doing, or more like her. But that day I'd had enough. I said a few things, I don't regret it, she had to hear it. Called her a repressed medieval bitch, a self-centered self-righteous moron. More. So she takes a swipe at me with one of those bags, so mad she can't talk. Didn't connect, I just step away, she's a skinny fuck puppet, arms like sticks. She spins, falls down. And I laughed. She's sitting on her ass, mud on her skirt, on her butt, getting madder and madder. I go to get back in my van, just let her be, disengage Shelly says, be the better person. I hear a thunk. She's lobbed one of her bags at my van. Hit the side, dented the door. So I start the van, gonna just back away, come back for the kids after practice. But, I don't know, I just lost it. Put it in reverse, hit the gas. Didn't want to hit her. She wasn't even behind me. Nowhere near. She screeches, yelling bloody murder. I keep going, right into her van. Her hatch is open, hits the luggage rack on my roof, breaks off, thuds on the ground. 
I put it into drive, pull carefully out, she's still hollering. I don't want to repeat it. I see her on her phone as I pull out of the lot. Get home, the cops are here. And so. Tito is following, nodding, all neutral, impartial. So, no actual assault? Just property damage? She shakes her head, starts dumping her veggie slush into a stockpot, turns on the heat. She tried to charge attempted murder. Then half a dozen other things. Settled on assault with a deadly weapon. I was beyond words. If I had been there then, I'd have decked the bitch myself. What a sanctimonious shit. Ma'am, I'm sorry to hear it worked out this way. We'll leave you be. Get on with your day. If you can assure us you plan to make your appearance. She nodded yes. I'm gonna lay it out for the judge. Let her know exactly what this bitch did. What she said. How she's been harassing us, systematically, continuously. Can't just leave us alone. That sounded like a great idea. I'd like to be there when she got going, told off this self-centered Karen bitch in front of a judge. That would be epic. We let ourselves out, left her to her soup, got in the truck. I'd have wanted to deck her myself. Tito smiled that tight smile, didn't comment. You think she's gonna do time? Really curious. That got an actual see-the-teeth smile out of him. Didn't know he could do that. The judge? She said her dot. Only one female judge in this county. Married to a deacon, a youth counselor. Nicest lady you ever met, runs a gay youth support center, out of her church basement. Oh, that sounded so, so wonderful. Karen wouldn't know what hit her. Maybe there was some justice in the world. At least in our little corner of it point two more stops today. One in the trailer park, other side of town. The other, nearer one apartment near downtown. We headed there first out we arrive, apartment block built when downtown was smaller, now hemmed in by fast food, pawn shops, dry cleaning, city parking lot. Traffic on all sides, noisy, smelly, gotta be pretty cheap. How you wanna do this? Me asking Tito dot we walked around back alley, dumpsters and broken glass, newspapers blowing around, fire escape. Blocked off on the other end, this end dumped out on downtown streets, congested dot he considered. Assault, illegal gambling. Some fight over a card game. Lives here with his brother? Could be two of them there. One to stall, the other, our guy, goes out the back? One of us knocks. The other stands out here, waits for somebody to show. I volunteered for alley duty. Not worried about one guy, but two. Tito looked like he could handle that better. So I wait. And wait. Then a window opens, over the fire escape. I get excited. A guy leans out. It's Tito. Looks up and down the alley, spots me. Waves to me to come around. We meet in the hallway. Nobody home. Door open. Apartment empty. Ghosted. I believed all that except the door open part. It was certainly open now. Tito is a useful guy. We're ready to call it in. Get a skip trace involved when the door opposite cracks. On the chain, little old lady peeks out. You looking for Mr. Jakes? The gorilla that lives there? Tito gives her a polite look, nods. Gone. Left this morning. Do you happen to know where he went? A Hail Mary. But who knows? She nodded. His buddy works at the exterminator? I saw a van in the alley when I came back from the bingo. They were loading it. Can you describe the van, ma'am? She nodded again. Second Street Storage. They across the river, warehouse district. Cold storage. She was a font of information. How about the brother, ma'am? Did he move out too? Again a nod. A year ago. They fought. He left. Gorilla Boy took to cards to pay the rent. Didn't have a job. Home all day anyway. Months behind. Always yelling through the door at the super. Afraid to call the cops on him. The little weasel. He was lying about living with a brother. Everything about this smelled. Tito thanked her. Told her she was a good citizen. Helping keep everybody safe. I hope they throw the book at him. Put him away. He dumps his trash in the alley. Pees in the stairwell. Smokes all day in there. Stunk up the place for everybody else. Good riddance. Her door slammed. The oracle is closed for the day, I guess. We gonna call it in. I suspected not. Tito had a thoughtful look. Let's try one more thing. Check out that storage unit. Might get a line on him there. I wasn't sure it was up to us, to make that call, give the skip more time to get away. But if he'd been gone since morning, maybe it wouldn't matter much one way or the other. I'm in. Big sign on a chain-link fence, second street storage. Cold storage. Contract or month-to-month. 50, 75, 100 sq feet, gotta be the place. Rows of connected metal garages, some with AC units installed. Gate is open during business hours. 
Office is really one of the end units, overhead door with a people door in it. AC unit in the wall laboring, rumbling but it's pretty cool inside. Skinny kid behind the counter board. Any new arrivals? Moved in this morning? The kid looks interested. Nothing much happens here most days I suppose. Yup. D13, guy with a van. Cold storage, far end. Two guys, tattoos, furniture and household. Paid month to month. Probably not supposed to tell us all that, but he's too excited to care. Tito is poking around the racks. They sell trailer hitches, boxes, labels. Finds a padlock. How much? Kid names the price and Tito pays. Driving slowly back we find road D, tooled down the road past 13, park against the fence. Don't want to alert the mark? No moving van now. But on D13 the AC is running, the overhead door is not locked. Risky, unless somebody is in there. That explains the padlock. Tito rips it open, unlocks it, pockets the keys. We exit quietly, walks slowly to the unit. Tito gently slips the padlock on the hasp. Click, I had to grin. This was so easy. He's locked up now, in the unit most likely. How are we gonna get him out? Tito doesn't answer, just walks around the side, eyes the AC unit. It's crude, just a normal household AC window unit, carpentered into the sheet metal, a stretch to call it cold storage, probably not really very cold in there. But without the AC it can get really hot in these things, the sun beating down on the tin roof. Probably makes it bearable. Tito gives me a leg up, and I pull the plug. AC gives a throaty rattle, then silent. Nothing for a minute, then the door goes grunch thunk. Somebody inside trying to open it. Time to make the play. Tito knocks. Hollow sound on the metal door. Crenshaw bail bond service. Mr. Jakes? We have a few questions. Silence inside for a beat then. I got all day. I got water, food, a porta potty. Better get comfortable. I won't be coming out all week. Tito was having none of it. You won't be coming out at all. I got a lock on the door. Silence for a bit. Tito letting him think that through. Tell you how it's gonna go down. We're gonna drive off. Forget this E. For happened. The sun's gonna get high in the sky. That unit will heat up. 80? 90? Over a hundred is my guess. Maybe we come back in what? A month? Your court date? See if there's anybody still in there to appear. If not, well, that's a tragedy. Probably be in all the papers. Silence for a minute. He's thinking it over. I was gonna appear. You don't have to get all pissy. Tito gives me a look, like sure, and I'm the king of Norway. You bet you're gonna appear. Next face you see when that door opens is a cop, taking you to jail. Your bail is revoked. Now only angry noises, the door jerks up and down a few times, but no way is it gonna open, not even a few inches. He's well and truly fucked out. We went back to the truck, tooled slowly past the door, letting him hear us leave. Back to the lot office, use the phone, call the cops, get him reincarcerated. Skinny kid is super excited, soaking it all up. You didn't have to tell him all that. We didn't have to say anything. He was stuck. Tito nodded. But it felt good, didn't it? I grinned back at him. Today was a good day. Last stop on the list, an address in the court past the railroad tracks not a bad place. Maybe I'll be able to afford a unit here someday. Not a great investment. Trailers only go down in value. But cheap, comfortable, all the amenities. And private. Felony dealing assault. Our client is sitting in a lawn chair, smoking something he puts out quickly as we walk in the gate. One arm in a cast, elbow bent, propped on the armrest out a brace on one knee, a bandage on his nose, bruises, lots of bruises. This guy has been messed up, recently doubt we get close, he's not much older than me. About Tito's age, maybe a little less. Crenshaw bail bond, just doing a routine check. He nods, waves us into two empty chairs around the grill. Something in there, some smoke coming out the cover. I look at Tito. Mark's not gonna run, not with those casts, probably no harm in sitting down. More friendly that way. So we sit. You didn't have to put that out, we're not cops. The smell was distinctive, and not coming from the grill. He looks grateful, pulls the joint out again, lit it with a lighter. A big pull, hold it, sigh, smoke coming out both sides of his mouth. It helps with the pain. He's pretty messed up, has to feel like shit. Your attorney has some concern about your appearance date. He closes his eyes, takes another pull, let it marinate, exhale. I told him I had an appointment, get the cast off, maybe he could reschedule. And he tells you I'm not gonna show? The more I knew about this public defender, the lower my opinion. Sure he got one out of four right, but it seems pretty obvious a soccer mom and a gimp are not any kind of risk. 
Tito did his probing statement thing, playing the therapist. Lot of folks, facing a felony, maybe somebody real mad at them. He tilted his head at the cast. Would think about catching a bus. Gimp admitted the possibility, it had occurred to him. I got this place, now I'm out of work and no disability. Racking up bills, no way to pay. This is all I got. I'm gonna try to hang on to it. That's what my little side business was about, trying to make the payments easier, maybe make some improvements. Tito looked around, gave an approving nod. The place was nice, as such things go. An awning on one side, fence behind, patio stones and the grill made a pleasant outdoor entertaining spot. So what's the story? Who had it in for you? He was more than ready to tell his tale, one of those everything went wrong at once kind of things. I was dealing, I copped to that. Just half an ounce to a couple regulars. So this guy hears about me, thinks he can get it for free. Comes up with an iron pipe, demands I hand it over. I don't. He swings, misses. I push him. He falls back, hits the wall, cracks his head. Real mad now, he goes over me with the pipe, leaves me like this. Takes my what? Ounce and a half, leaves me bleeding. Cunt. That was a sad story, if it was true. Under that amount, not even illegal. So why the felony? Tito caught that too. Charge says felony dealing? Assault? Something doesn't add up. You're telling me. That attorney, shithead that he is, says if I admit to dealing maybe he can get me a reduced sentence. But I don't have the stuff to surrender, the asshole took it. So I'm facing the max. Where does the assault charge come from? Asshole says I assaulted him. Never. I just pushed him away. A dick comes after you with a pipe. You're allowed to dodge, push back, right? I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I don't even want to fight the judge. I just want this to go away. But I don't think it's gonna. Tito took a deep breath. This had him upset for some reason. As upset as he gets anyway. You want some free advice? From an amateur? The dude is willing. The felony means the assault is gonna stick. You can't claim anything for your own injuries. You can't sue for damages incurred during commission of a felony. You gotta address that first. The dickhead didn't surrender the goods? No. Probably sold it by now or smoked it. That means no evidence. No evidence. No felony. Even if he surrenders more than an ounce and a half now, says he took it off you, by this time the cops will arrest him, he's been holding, he's culpable. Tell your attorney you aren't gonna plead no contest, he's gonna have to actually defend you. Tell him, countersue dickhead for your pain and suffering, once the felony charge is reduced to a misdemeanor. Your injuries are greater than his? Threaten to sue him for more. Ten times what he's going after you for. He's gonna settle, or drop the suit entirely. The guy looked like an angel had appeared to him, rising from the smoke from his grill. Same Tito. He tried to get up, maybe give Tito a hug but didn't get any further than a wince and collapsed back into his lawn chair. We shook hands, and we were done here. So now you're the stoner's best friend. Walking back to the truck, I was kidding Tito, but he just looked mad. Everybody failed this guy. A common story. He's trying to make ends meet, does something dumb but hey he's a kid. Nobody looked any further than the surface, happy to send him down for nothing, just put him away, get him off their books and move on. Maybe Tito should be a cop. No, that'd just make him more frustrated, seeing the lazy indifferent prosecution, not often but enough, too often that I didn't know what he should be. Worth thinking about, thinking about where I wanted to go with all this too. The list was done, we drove back, checked in with Jillian, left her the truck keys. She took Tito's report to the boss, they had a good laugh back there. Jillian came out, said good job. And the boss says well done. Tickled about the storage lot collar, she'd be telling that story for months. Take the rest of the day off. Have a drink on the boss. We headed to Trevor's. Give our friend our business when we can. Over a beer. I asked the question I'd been sitting on since I met Tito. What's your endgame? Bouncer, bail agent, then what? He didn't answer. Not sure he was gonna tell me. Came back with. What's your goal? Taking money from folks down on their luck? Made a bad decision. Make it cost them even more? So he wasn't really fond of the bail bond game. Not sure I was either. Not after today. I took a pull from the beer, stalling, thinking. What did I have to think about? I knew exactly what I wanted. I want to catch the bad guys. Not these poor saps, struggling and lashing out and punching each other. The real bad guys, the ones that systematically prey on citizens, make everybody miserable. Tito could understand that. Let it sit there, took a long draw. Silence for a bit. Came to a decision. I want to have an agency. 
Investigation, security, recovery, more. A business where every customer has a real problem, somebody preying on them. I can help make things work out. Use my skills to defend people from the rackets, from the people that want something for nothing. Wow. Tito looked like a shallow puddle, a regular plain-speaking bouncer tough guy. But his ethics went deep, like a quarry dug to bedrock, clear water all the way down. Respect. What's it gonna take? I had no idea how to start something like that. Oh, half a million, maybe a million. A partner. A deep pocket client to start with. Jesus. He had big plans. And here I was thinking of joining the police force. Maybe I should join his company instead, first things first. Where was that half mil coming from? Nobody I know. Greg has money I expect he put the bulk of it into that condo. The rest was for family. I'd heard on the grapevine, his family was growing. Glad for them, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, and nicer gal. Jillian, a mom. She was the perfect person for that. She'd accept her kid, however they turned out, whoever they were. Celebrate them, love them unconditionally, support them. That's all it took, really, to make a family. I got a little emotional thinking about that, decided to stop talking. We finished our beer in silence, each to our own thoughts. Jillian take a deep breath, and knock. Grandfather? May I have a word with you? He was clearly getting ready to go, his coat on the chair, a bottle in a bag, off to play cards at the Vietnamese senior center. But let me in anyway, his dear devoted granddaughter that he loved, always time for me. I went in, took his coat off the chair, brushed some lint, straightened the collar, put it back. He's waiting, patient, smiling, accepting my little attentions as his due, offers me tea. No thank you, I'll just be a minute. I stand there, not quite sure whether to sit, stand I think, because he's standing. This family stuff, still hard for me. Greg and I have, some news. Perhaps Kang has said? No? Okay. I cleared my throat, still not sure what response I would get. He was a self-described old-fashioned Vietnamese grandfather. It would not be unexpected for our news to bring disapproval of some kind. He put one hand to my shoulder, sensing my discomfort. Perhaps if you just tell me? A little smile, a gentle squeeze. We're I'm a... Greg and I are going to be parents. I'm pregnant, and Greg's the father. Blurted out said too much, who else's would it be? Idiot, but I'd said it. Out in the open. I held my breath, unsure what came next. His hand dropped to his side. His mouth formed a hard line, then went all crooked. Mad? No, not mad. Were his shoulders tense? Shaking? Maybe mad. He closed his eyes hard, and two tears spilled down his cheeks. Grandfather, you're not upset. Hey. I didn't know what to do, so I did my go-to family move. I put my arms around him, held him tight. His shoulders were heaving, overcome. By what? Greg asked me to marry him. But we're expecting already. We'll be married soon. Before I show much. Kang said. He was shaking his head, scrubbed the tears away with the back of one hand. I pulled out his chair, sat him down, bending over him, to make sure he was okay. He put his hands to my cheeks, held me, smiling. Smiling. You're not upset? Still unsure. Oh my dear Jillian! I prayed for this, to live to see this child. My great-grandchild. Burned incense every day. Brought fruit to the temple weekly. Left a red envelope, though it's not even tet. The monk thought me confused, a doddering old man, but took my envelopes just the same. Oh. He was happy. Really, really happy for me, for us. That was, good. Was he crying again? His face is wet. No, no, that was me. My tears falling, blending with his. What else? There was something else. If it's a boy, Jesse. Greg's father's name. And a girl, the first girl, Trin, after Kang's mother? If that's okay. And he broke down, totally lost it, sobbing, shoulders heaving, overcome completely. I guess it was okay. I knelt and held him, held him up, face wet with his, his head on my shoulder, mine on his, happy, together. This family stuff? It's pretty good. Wednesday Jillian a good day. Okay, overcast a little, and dang chilly. Probably rain, later, Greg said he could see it coming. We'd had a tough morning, some problem with the phone company. I'd spent the first hour sorting that out, talking to people who didn't want to talk to me. They'd switched our system out for a new one down at the phone office, didn't tell us, left us with half the lines dead and no on-hold message. Cost us half a day's paper. It didn't really bother me, just a thing to do, a problem to solve, a part of the job, get it done and move on. For some reason I was feeling great, feeling my oats, a spring in my step. 
had decided to walk to work, then walk downtown at lunch, to the bank for my meeting with Renee.to get Greg's money sorted out. He just left it all in a pile, no particular investments, just some CDs, most of it in a savings account. Far too much for a normal bank, their insurance only covered about 5% should they have a problem. Which they probably wouldn't have, but still. So I go in, catch Renee's eye, she's dealing with a couple of college boys, opening an account, hands them off to a teller, comes over. Miss Jillian! Are we ready to get down to work? Renee was clearly an investment wonk. Her eyes lit up with the joy of a really meaty account to sort out. God bless folks like her, experts in their arcane field, willing to share their expertise. We settled in a conference room, spread out her folder, considered where we were. By leaving the money in a simple interest-bearing deposit account, Greg has not participated in the positive market swings of the last five years. It's cost him the opportunity to grow the account by nearly 30%. I nodded, following along, learning as I went. Not really my hobby, but Renee's enthusiasm was infectious. He said something about a technology fund? Renee nodded, getting excited. When he was a new depositor he put his seed money, his inheritance, into a fund for two years. Not unusual for a young person, starting out, taking chances. Then cashed out after it nearly doubled. Normally not a bad idea, a risky investment, a windfall profit. But if he'd left even half of it invested, withdrawn just the principal, see how much benefit future growth would have come to. She showed some historical performance charts, a really hefty growth curve, exciting. But I was cautious, anybody can show you a winning racehorse after the race has been run. The trick is betting before the race, we talked this over, settled on a strategy. As an investment goal, I'd like to see one half of the account in technology, medicine, energy, information companies. Bet on the future. Half of the rest can be in blue-chip industrials, something that has little chance of spectacular growth, but also little chance of catastrophic losses. Finally, I want to put money into local business, into entrepreneurs in our community and nearby. Folks who never would have a chance to play with the big investors, who might not even get started without someone to believe in them. Don't know why I said that, it just came out. It seemed like the right thing to do, now that I'd heard myself say it. Renee bit her lip. Yees, the first two are simple to accomplish. That last? Requires an investment board, interviewing small business owners, reading business plans, estimating growth potential, commitment level. An obstacle, to be sure. But somehow, today, that seemed like a small thing, something we could accomplish. Together. I nominate you. To head the board. Then, we'll recruit folks from the community to serve, at least for a term, say six months at a time? I'll be on it to start, but I expect to be very busy come spring. Busy with baby and crime, I didn't say. Renee seemed startled, we had a board already? This was moving fast but she thought faster. What demographic do you want to recruit? For what compensation? Still cautious, but she not said no to my suggestion that she had the team. Most every demographic, all ages, from family business owners to franchisees of national brands, even students, clergy and community leaders. For no compensation. Yes. That's important. I don't want anybody serving just for the bucks. I want them dedicated to community improvement, trying to boost their town, create opportunities for locals, for youth, elders, everybody. She started to get it. We wanted local folks who had idealism, enthusiasm, commitment. If the returns on these investments are modest, such a program might have a sunset. She meant we might blow all the money on losers in the first year or two. Didn't want to be too critical of my idea, but also pragmatic. I nodded. I want to do it anyway. I expect to infuse new money into this segment periodically, from other sources, until it can stand on its own. Too soon to say, using drug money from a crate at the bottom of the bay. Start small, carefully with the resources we have. Grow once we'd settled on a formula for success. Renee sat back, fooling with a pen, thinking. Was she going to play wet blanket? Come up with reasons it couldn't work? Or would she? New business owners would benefit from mentorship. Avoid simple errors, easy to correct if you know they're coming. Cash flow, inventory costs, shipping and packaging overhead. Service charges, hiring and firing. Growing too fast, growing too slowly. She was on board. Yay for Renee. Looking how to make this work, not looking for reasons it wouldn't and using her experience with the bank's customers, their problems and hiccups, to help design a path to success. I smiled, stacked the mess on the table into her folder, shut it, stood and held out my hand. Renee, I know you are the right person to head this up. Once it has succeeded, I want you on full-time, dedicated to this fund. 
Think about it. This could be a long-term project, with a chance to make permanent change in the business landscape. Short-term, let's make a plan for management classes, lunches with local business leaders, maybe even create a handbook for each kind of business model services, delivery, manufacturing and so on, a primer for folks new to running those businesses. She was really excited now. Way ahead of me already, thinking about venues, speakers, publishers. Let's review funds you recommend for our first two investment categories. Same time, next week? Meanwhile, let's both create a list of potential investment board members. Brainstorm ideas for soliciting business plans, identifying community entrepreneurs. Review, make choices, then reach out. Renee was almost bouncing when I left, her mind a million miles away, barely looking at me as I said my goodbyes and headed out. I hadn't come here to do more than put some of Greg's money, no our money, into some funds, and I left with a new community organization, headed by a dynamic investment expert. Not bad for a Wednesday afternoon. What had gotten into me? Some kind of confidence boost. Something I had eaten for breakfast? Or was it hormones, some pregnancy-related emotional surge? Oh, my dear loving grandfather was proud of me, and so happy for us, our growing family. That had been what I needed to really engage in my life, not just engage at work, all of us, working at our different goals, me finding a goal for myself, because I knew we could do anything we put our minds to. Was this truly my goal? Growing local business? What about my lost girls? Maybe they were the same goal. Find the lost, catch them in a safety net of support slash job slash housing. Then help them find purpose, make their own dreams come to life. Not everybody, sure. Some of us just want to work for a living, then spend quality time with family and friends. A fine way to live a life. Greg was like that. A loving, supportive family guy, gonna make things work for the rest of us, the rock we build our castles on, but the occasional individual has big plans. Folks who'd seen the barren, dry underside of life, had hit rock bottom in opportunity and support. This sort seemed to have a spark, to want to do something significant, to make a mark. And so often, to help others. Like Tito? And Kelly, of course. Billy, for sure. Nick, I know there's a germ of a goal in her somewhere, and it isn't banroused about. Anyway, in my current giddy I love my life frame of mind it seemed this way to me, Greg was gonna be fascinated to hear what I'd done. After that I think I'm gonna screw his brains out. Yeah, Greg I was a little embarrassed when Tito and Kelly came over, after supper. I was just getting out of the shower, pink and scrubbed, most of the Jillian juice washed off, had taken a bit, pretty slimy from our activities. Not content to just bump and grind and get off, we tried new positions involving a barstool, then two barstools. Jillian still had the pink blush across her shoulders, her chest.i and that cut-off t-shirt it was very obvious. At her contented expression, her lazy languid posture, and nobody could mistake her for anything but a happy just-fucked mom. Fortunately, Kelly was in pretty much the same situation. She wandered past me, when I answered the door in shorts and a collarless beach shirt, gave me a drive-by peck on the cheek and headed over to Jillian. Gave her a full-on hug and nuzzle, just two contented woman friends sharing their post-orgasmic buzz. From my point of view, their semen deposits alone gave everything away. Tito shook my hand, which felt very warm. His physiology reflected my same post-codal circulation and muscle relaxation. Breathing, heart rate, gut recovering from blood redistribution. There was absolutely no doubt now, Tito and Kelly were an item. A very active physical and emotional item. Let's convene on the porch. Enjoy the last warmth of the day. I'll bring glasses. The girls were sharing happy talk of work, how the afternoon had gone. Tito lagged, took two bottles from me, let me gather the glasses on a tray, followed me out. I left Tito to the corkscrew, Kelly arranging glasses, pouring. Took mine, settled on the love seat with my wife gathered my thoughts. So, we have an opportunity. We'd like to sound you out. Could be involved. Maybe take some weeks to get arranged. Can't do it ourselves. Need somebody with your talents to pull it off. This to Tito. Kelly just looked proud. Had Jillian shared something with her? Or was she just proud of Tito by default? Probably that. Kelly said something about Jillian being cagey at work. We're listening. Typical Tito, direct and taciturn. And I didn't miss the we. They were already in this together. Good. A salvage operation. Cargo loss from a boat, bottom of the bay, maybe 50 feet. Been there since I was in high school. Nobody alive likely remembers it's there. We talking about artifacts? Precious metals? Something recent, or historical? Chemicals? By which he meant drugs, and he had no problem believing, me knowing a box was in fifty feet of bay water. Kelly shared everything it seemed. 
Of course, like any good couple that I shook my head. Simpler, maybe. Cash money. A crate of American currency, watertight, heavy, firmly embedded in the mud. How big? How much? The crate plastic? Metal? Wood? I had to rack my brain. It had been decades. Wood over metal. The wood was sound back then, likely decayed now. The metal pretty thick? Maybe three feet on a side, nearly a cube. Clamshell, two parts. Some rubber seal, bolted tight. Full? I nodded. It had seemed a fortune, when I saw it as a kid. Filled my head with thoughts of pirates and adventure. Quickly dismissed. I had no feasible path to recovering it, like so many other things I've seen, passed up. What denominations? Here he looked hopeful, wondering if my vision went as far as reading the face of bills sealed in a steel box in total darkness through fathoms of salt water from a moving boat. All one hundred dollar bills. Through and through, far as I had time to look. We were moving pretty fast. I saw it for maybe thirty seconds. He thought briefly. Provided there are no dividers, no floats, no other internal structures? Then what you have there is sixty million give or take. Jillian spilled her wine, stared, her mouth open. Then laughed. Greg, here you've been foraging half your life, and all that down there. You goof. I kissed her, to shut her up, but mostly because I like kissing her. Remember, I can't swim. It may as well have been on the moon. And then, what if we do bring it up? Who does it belong to? What kind of taxes will we owe? How do we even explain? Tito nodded, all good points. Took a moment to arrange his thoughts. Began. What you got here is a salvage situation. Governed by maritime law, with particular reporting requirements. The idea is somebody lost it, might want it back. The governments will want their share, state and federal. They'll slice off the biggest part, then tax the bit they leave you. At a high rate, the highest. And take their time doing all that. We talking months? Maybe years. Maybe never. It gets in court. Folks fighting over who gets how much. Maybe you grow old waiting for your part. That put a dent in our enthusiasm. We all fell silent, sipping our wine. Kelly spoke, like she was expecting this, was introducing a new topic. Does it depend on where the salvage is done? With an innocent expression, a question to Tito but really for us to hear the answer, yup. In territorial waters, all governed by U.S. maritime law. Outside, different. Very different. You just have to deal with the original owner, not the government. So where is this crate? Fifty feet? Has to be coastal. You said in the bay? I nodded, tilted my head. Kind of. We were just passing between the points, getting into choppy water. Slowing down, the tide was coming in? I'm not a sailing guy. Does that still count as in the bay? Tito looked concerned. Not legally significant. U.S. territorial water is 200 miles. You can still see land. You're still subject to U.S. maritime law for sure. But tides? Can't do salvage when the tides are running. The bay filling or emptying creates tremendous currents. That crate wouldn't be there if it wasn't so dang heavy. It'd move, tumble, break up. Maybe it has. I put that issue to rest. It's still there. I can see that much, from the shore. At my limit, lots of water in the way, lots of fish, other stuff, can't make out details, just enough to know something is there. What about original owners? That seemed unlikely to me. Nobody drops millions in cash and leaves it for decades. Not if they know where it is or are in any condition to come fetch it. Unless there's identifying mark on the crate, or in the crate, that might simplify things. Anonymous. Jillian cut in. We're all thinking it. Drug money? Some smugglers laundering their cash, moving it around? Lost in a storm? Not likely to make a claim. Tito agreed, conditionally. Not likely to file any paperwork, but they still might put up a fuss. We all knew that meant violent objections. Nowhere I wanted to go. But I had some experience in these matters. I spoke up. I've found lost money before, hidden, bundles of cash left in unlikely places. Not this much, just a couple thousand here or there. Also maybe drug deals gone wrong, nobody around to retrieve the cash, left for years. We can hope this is such a case. Lost, the smugglers arrested or otherwise unavailable to return. By which I meant dead, Tito brightened. I'm thinking that too. This is essentially free money, nobody wants it, knows it's there. Opens up. Alternate options. Now we were talking. I had no trouble circumventing grabby politicians. I'd not declared anything I found, not ever, in my life. If I found it, likely it would have been lost for good. No reason to share with busybodies who just wanted to get their beak wet. 
Jill was of the same opinion it seemed. Fuck the bureaucrats. This is just gonna rot down there. We bring it up, make it do some good, everybody benefits. My goal, buy property, a place to raise Greg's superkids safe and sane. Set up rooming houses for my lost girls, up and down the coast, a safety net to get them back on their feet. We sip some more, considered our imminent descent into a life of federal crime, maybe even becoming international gangsters. Tito had suggestions. We can do it either way, fetch it up, invite the newspapers, get famous but probably end up where we are now, honest and poor. Or bring it up quietly, carry it offshore, across the ocean, deposit it where not so many questions get asked. End up with most of it minus certain fees. Which meant bribes. A bank would be needed offshore Cayman Islands, Hong Kong would probably be best, some second-tier foreign bank. Don't risk attracting the attention of drug runners that way. I can do it either way. But the first, all above board, I don't see how it would pay. Tito wasn't going into this for nothing. He needed not only pay, but a significant profit. Otherwise, risking life in prison for very little. How does that work? There are laws in Hong Kong too. People with millions of dollars have less trouble than you'd think. One suggestion, form an offshore company. Let's say Chan Salvage, deposit the money in that name. Buy land under the company name. Better yet buy overseas and do a land swap. Assets not cash. Different rules. Jillian, that way you get your safe houses. All under the umbrella of a foreign corporation? She nodded. I don't give a fuck whose name it's in. Okay, let's think Caymans for now. Buy some land, any land, commensurate with the value of what you want here. Swap, call the new place Chan Salvage Headquarters. Never use your own name. Pay yourself as an employee or better yet a contractor. I looked around, saw we were largely of one mind. Nodded as one dot I raised my glass, toasted our enterprise. To Chan Salvage. We drank deeply, then Kelly refilled our glasses. How does it work? Getting one tiny crate up off the bay floor? I was optimistic, Tito less so. We'll have roughly half an hour between tides. When the water is quiet enough to get down, attach the salvage sling, get it up. Can do it in two dives if that's easier, sling first, then raise. That leaves us idle until the next tide, twelve hours exposed in the bay. Can't leave the SP. Odie, else we might lose it. I corrected him. We won't lose it. He raised his head, nodding, still getting used to this x-ray vision deal. Then we attach the sling, go further out, do some ocean fishing. Come back between the next tides, raise it, go back out, do some more fishing. Decide to head for the Caymans for the Yellowfin. Drop off a package while we're there. Find a sympathetic lawyer, sign some papers. Retain an agent, for the land swap deals? I was happy with that. One thing remained. Tito? What do you need from this? A lot of risk, and your skills are indispensable. He spoke without hesitation. I want 15% of the gross. Enough there for everybody, we all get what we want. More than fair. We all stood, shook hands like the three stooges, and that was that. Jillian was not quite ready to be done. Setting up a company sounds pretty easy. What else will we need? How much upfront money? What to buy? Tito looked up and to the right, making a list in his mind. Buy gear, rent a boat under the company name. Not a big one, but big enough for the open sea. Salvage is what? One, two metric tons. Get the crate 200 miles out, home free. I was flabbergasted. Money was heavy. We need a boat captain. Jillian was thinking ahead. Tito can do that. Has his license. Kelly gave Tito a fond look. Of course, Tito can do that. What can't he do? He's been preparing for a life of intrigue and adventure forever. This is his chance to make it all count. He continued his inventory. Winch, 10 ton to have a safety margin. Slings, one to use and a backup. Diving gear, good stuff. Water brakes and anchors, ballast and air canisters, floats. Spares of all that. Electronic gear for ocean navigation. Buoy for recovering the sling, a backup. Water bladders in case the crate is breached. A second diver for safety, a dive buddy, paid a flat rate, just there so everybody is safe. I got a buddy I can trust. Do we trust Tito's buddy though? Well, this whole deal was going to involve trusting one another. Why balk at that Tito begin with? Trusting Tito with $60 million on a boat that can go halfway around the world. No guarantee we would ever see him again. Yes, trust was important. Without it, we're just simple thieves. And heck, we had nothing now. Anything goes wrong, we're back where we started, some money in the bank and surrounded by the people we love. And Tito was, well, Tito. He loved Kelly, and Kelly loved him. If we couldn't trust them, 
trust their high opinion of each other, the money things seem insignificant in comparison. Seat of the pants? I had no idea what renting a seagoing fishing boat might cost. Twenty, thirty thousand should cover it, the gear, a month boat rental, fuel. Kelly was concerned, that seemed like a lot. But Jillian and I relaxed, we had most of that right here in the house, Kelly laughed. You too. I can't figure you. Buying a very used truck. Living in the most expensive condo in the complex. Eating out several times a week. Making those ridiculously tasty but cheap red chili cheese enchiladas on the weekend. Wear your thrift store shorts and shirts every day, then go out in bespoke God help me beautiful designer clothes. It's like, you want to behave like money is tight, but at the same time spend it like it's nothing, when something important comes along. Jillian and I nodded, she had us pegged. Jillian spoke, figuring this out herself and at the same time telling us. If you don't have enough, then money can seem very important. But after a point, it's not about getting more. It's about saving time. Greg could forage for years to get this much saved. We'd have to put off our family until then. You'd have to put off your agency, put off getting married. This way, we all get a head start, which means we can take care of the people we love, the people under our care. Now. Not in ten years. Kelly blushed at the getting married part but didn't flinch, just took Tito's hand, squeezed. She was getting what she wanted, too. A happy Tito, a chance to do whatever it was they wanted to do, together. I had a thought. When? Can you do salvage in winter? Is there a tide schedule we have to beat? Tito grinned. More like, when are the fish running? We want a plausible reason to be out on the water. It's got to be fishing. And that means, wait until spring. Julian brightened. That means, we can get married first. Tito raised his eyebrows, mouth open, astonished. Here we had tens of millions of dollars dangling in front of us, and Jillian was happiest to know her wedding plans wouldn't be upset. And the impossible happened, Tito laughed. Kept laughing, sure now he was teaming up with the right folks, who put family and friends ahead of money, any amount of money, money wasn't even in the same league as family. Kelly got it, leaned into him, smiling and smiling, Thursday in exchange morning. Tito comes in, all quiet, his mind not on the job. Misses the first call. He's nabbed the opening shot every day he's been working here. This morning maybe number five dot was at the home visits? That hadn't affected him at the time. Got him thinking about his agency. Maybe that was it. Then Jillian. Not subdued, outgoing, loud, happy, centered. Like the job is important but she's got real stuff to worry about. This is all routine.my aunties came in half an hour before opening. Jillian met them. Something else on her mind. Clearly forgotten they were coming. Puzzled then aha. And went straight to it. Felt them out about the clients, the contracts, the paper we call it. Tried their English excellent. Accented but understood everything she threw at them. Took her no time to understand. This was going to work. Kelly was assigned to bring Mrs. Tram up to speed. I got Mrs. Tran. We'd already met them at the fam's last night, over for dinner, they had asked a thousand questions about the job, the hours, their part in it all. Sharp, now details. I went over the charge sheet, the pattern. The board, the paper, the date on the wall. Turning in the slip, waiting for the boss to approve. How to answer the phone. Who was in charge? The client, lawyer or whatever, would try to run the conversation. Our job was to take control, let them know what was going to happen and what wasn't. The entities had absolutely no problem with that, with telling some asshole hold on a minute. We're doing it my way or the highway in English and in Vietnamese, in case we got a Vietnamese caller. Which was about one in ten, the same as the population mix here on the shore. Nobody had any monopoly on asshattery around here. Guys got up to about the same mischief, no matter if they lived in Vietnam town or elsewhere. We covered the phones they would sit at too, where Jillian sat most mornings. Would share that for now. With Tito at twelve, there was only that one seat to fill. This first day, they tag-team. When Jillian gave us the high sign we left them to it, just a minute until the amber light would turn green. Jillian told the crew, Vietnamese callers go to number two if it's available. We have local talent starting today. Gonna take up the slack. Move some more paper. Folks thought that sounded fine that I put them out of my mind. Let Kelly watch them. Let Jillian figure it out. Attended to my own shit. Notice Tito lagging. In between my calls I'm checking him out. He's extra patient with the clients today. Taking a little longer on each. Taking a moment to review his paper. Turn it in. Get back and get settled again. Was he just well fucked? I trusted Kelly in that department. Certain she could get the job done. Make her lover very happy. But no, he wasn't so much stupefied as, well, present. Seeing everything. Feeling it all. Intensely. 
like he wanted to engrave this morning in his memory. I got distracted. A whole series of calls then, all about the same thing a big college bash on the beach, about fifty young studs drinking, bonfire, got out of hand, burned down a fishing shack, a couple boats. We saw that from home on top of the hill late last night, it lit up the shore. Joked about the extra work coming today, easy paper, all attending school, parents documented and available if they got any ideas. Really not bad sorts, just drunk and irresponsible. Gonna have to pay. Probably not gonna get any time doubt we heard one client give Mrs. Tram some trouble. One of the Vietnamese callers forwarded from Janet in the front row. Mrs. Tram raised her voice, did the pigeon English thing, hard, shrill. Read them the riot act you know want to answer, okay. You stay there, I don't care, you decide. Or you answer now, polite. Then we do business. It was silent in the room suddenly, everybody listening with one ear to see how that ended. A short wait, then good. Answer question, standard rate, send check and we'll pay clerk. Then you appear. You skip, I know your bonaguai, she will hear about everything. She will not like that. You will not like that, smiles across the room. This lady knew her stuff, knew her community. Pulled that young miscreant's chain, hard, made him understand where he stood. And technically, polite, which was our rule around here. This was going to work, lunch, the newcomers had brought theirs, frugal, not gonna spend hard-earned cash on going out. Laid their cold noodle leftovers and potted meat sandwiches out on the desk, chatting happily between them. Pity, I had hoped to introduce them around over lunch. Maybe another day, down the street at a Vietnamese place, just me and Jillian, not my favorite but chassier to die for. The others thought me crazy, that fish had put them off but I'm fond of galangal and that crispy rice paper. Yum, Jillian was well satisfied, smiling and chatting. Mrs. Tram did great. And Mrs. Tran? She's smart, quick. Rejected a client, knew he was lying, knew his father was out of town, nobody home to monitor him. Boss says to say good job, Nick. Your aunties will work out fine. I smiled, chewed my fish. They gonna take alternate days? How's that gonna work? There was only the one empty desk, she nodded. Mondays and Wednesdays, Mrs. Tran. Tuesdays and Thursdays, Mrs. Tram. Friday, both minding grandchildren after school, I'll cover for now. I'm just glad to have any days covered. The boss is training me in cold calling law firms. Gonna let me solicit lawyers, lets her concentrate on existing customer relations. She seemed glad to do that, better her than me. I didn't find lawyers good company. I suppose there were exceptions, but many were pushy argumentative know-it-alls. Part of the makeup of a good advocate, I guess that I had a brainstorm. You know what's on Tito's mind? He seems quiet today. I didn't say, slow and absent, don't want to run down my coworkers to the boss. She looked evasive, figuring out how much to tell me. That felt not quite right. We'd been totally honest so far, embarrassingly honest. I'd eaten her cooch. Slept naked with her. Seen her come. Heard her snore. Hey. Give. Trying not to lie to a friend, not a good look on you. She blushed, fooled with her noodles, finally gave in. Tito is helping Greg do a recovery. Diving. He's an expert. Gonna use what we find to fund his agency, buy a place to raise our kids. Big place, far enough from the shore, the town, keep them from night terrors, help them adjust when they start. I got it, not a dope. A good plan. Must be a bundle, if there's a million in it for Tito. So a big haul? How much is left after taxes? I knew there were a lot of fees around salvage. She looked evasive again. Shit. You aren't going to pay any taxes. A dark op. Nighttime? A submarine? How does this work? She shook her head, glad I'd guessed, and she hadn't told me. Just going to take a fishing boat out, do some trawling, see what we catch. Then head out someplace further, fish in some vacation spot. Sell the catch. Doesn't belong to anybody. Nobody left alive, knows it's there. Nobody will come looking. That sounded pretty safe. I mean, definitely a crime, lots of risk from that point of view. But Tito was sharp, nobody had to ever know that I was grinning, looking sassy I guess so Jillian reached across, punched me in the shoulder. Oh. No worries. I'm not that fond of lawyers, politicians. Fuck em. If they can't take a joke. And this is a special case. Good cause, kind of a public service. More folks like you guys, the world is a better place. She looked touched, reached out again, squeezed my shoulder. You know I love you, right? A friend from the beginning, from the moment we met, I trusted you. You ever need anything, don't be shy, just say it. What I can do, what we can do for you, what a friend can do, we'll do.
My turn to blush. Hey, girl, you have done so much for me already. Saved me. Got a life now, and a direction. No debt, paid in full. She shook her head. Friends don't work like that. Family certainly doesn't work like that. You need me, anytime, place. I'm here. For life. It's not about money. That's just lubrication, to make life go easier, to make things go faster. People matter, people like you. I found I couldn't swallow my fish. Something wrong with my throat. Nobody ever needed me, trusted me like this before. I chewed a while longer, concentrated on keeping it together, took a sip of tea. Swallowed hard. Okay, pretty intense for lunch. Let's start small. Can I help? No strings, the catch is all yours, got to keep your family sorted, get Kelly and Tito set up. Just, you know, a friend helping. Dino. Can you swim? Dive? Know how to pilot a boat? Tito should have backup. No, no and no. When are we talking about? The spring. For you know the fish. I smiled at that, considered, thinking how many months between now and then. Sure. By spring, I can do all that. For my friends. Friday Greg after lunch, tea with Mr. Nguyen, my grandfather-in-law. Jillian walked to work, left me the truck so I could arrive sweet-smelling. Calm dot didn't work. I was sweating, nervous about this one. Not sure what he knew, how he would take it. And his opinion mattered, especially his opinion of me. My life literally depended on it. Jillian had been funny lately, extra happy, extra confident. Pregnancy, maybe, all good. Making the big decisions, which was how I liked it. Anything to do with Jillian, my family. Well, I'm your man, you can count on me. But money? Business? That's in her wheelhouse, she's great at that. Smart, confident. And she had Renee on her team now. Apparently, dot, I wish I had some of that confidence. I'd brought a bottle of sticky rice wine, the good stuff. Fuang took it politely but set it aside, his attention on me. You have something you wish to tell me? I nodded too hard like a little kid wanting to please dot he was filling the teapot, getting cups from the sideboard, arranging the table dot a ball game was on his radio, in the next room. His team was losing. His console clock was loud to my ears. A tooth worn on the second hand gear, gave a little lurch every time it passed twelve seconds after, made a tea talk. Instead of a tick, pay attention Greg. Just say it, no more distractions. Jillian and I, we have skills we've not been completely honest about. He frowned, disagreed. Gregory, you have every right to keep personal matters between yourselves. That's what being a couple means. I do not judge you. Right, right. Jillian had come home the other night, soggy with tears and snot, having spilled all to him, about her condition, our family. Fuang was feeling very forgiving right now, gotten what he'd wanted for decades, a growing family. Not gonna begrudge us a secret or two, or a superpower even that I didn't say much, just did the tea thing, waited for the tar to form, poured, offered him a cup. He was impatient for once, wanting this part over with quickly, took a sip so I could take a sip, then set his cup down. I presume? You wish to describe more fully your gift of second sight? Oh. Well. Not gonna be the big struggle I thought this might be. Yes, grandfather. If I may, I can give you my history? He agreed. I told my story. About getting the skill very young. About my mother saving me. About watching her die. That affected him more than I'd anticipated. Shook him. He took a ragged breath. Put a hand on my shoulder. And in his eyes I saw at once he knew what I'd been through. The first person ever who knew. The terrible loss of those most precious. Living with the undeserved guilt. Unsure how to spend a life with that heavy stone holding us back, weighing us down. We both have people in our lives that give us purpose. You have Jillian, your baby. I have my granddaughters, my great-grandchild. That was very true. Jillian had saved me. Was my whole life. Now, Jill and her family. He knew that about me too, and knew why. Finally, I could see him relaxing, knowing I was shaped as he was, dedicated completely to keeping our family safe and whole, gladly giving all we had for them. What more is there to say? You are one of those cursed to see more than most, to live with the consequence. He understood that too. I can't tell people what I see, usually. I try to let them know, make up stories, lie a little. Hand out cancer screening flyers when I see something. Oh. You are healthy. And Kang. No problems I can see. He had alerted at my last remark. I wanted to head off that concern. He relaxed, nodded thoughtfully. How do you select what to do? How do you choose whom to help? When do you intervene? I try to do my best for everyone, be kind to everyone. I get that right, the rest sort of follows. 
That made sense to him. He was more concerned with how I used my skill than with exactly how it worked. Because responsibilities, duties were how he arranged his life. The particulars were less important. Out we drank our tea in silence for a bit. Two damaged men, listening to the radio, following the score, comfortable in our own company. The ball game was interrupted with a loud tone, one of those public service announcements, an amber alert. We both put our cups down, listened. A child, missing after school, picked up by a stranger, didn't come home. A description of the car, the girl, the man. A number to call. I, uh, I usually go to the freeway overpass on these things. Look for the car, the missing child. In case. Never helped yet, never came this way, but I have to try. Fuang stood, knocking his chair back, let it fall unregarded. Go! Go! He understood. Time was precious now. I had to leave, to do my thing. Do what I could for that poor girl. I went. Jillian was at work, fortunately. I stopped to get her. She would drive so I could look, undistracted. It was on the way anyway. I double-parked in front of her building, ignored the elevators, ran up to the second floor, burst in the door, called to her. She came without complaint or question, just ran to me, seeing I needed her and responding instinctively, without hesitation. I felt that familiar pulse of love, pride. Nick looked startled, on a call, her eyes following, alerted, let us go, let us do our work, burning to know what was up. I gave Jill the keys on the stairs, told her the story as we pulled away from the curb. Amber alert. Drive to the freeway overpass, gives me a good chance to scan the cars, watch for her. Lan Vu, 12, lives up the coast, picked up at school and never got home. Sedan Gray. She looked serious, unafraid, doing this thing because it was important to me. Probably not confident I could help, either was I. I've never found anybody, but I have to try. I stay until my head hurts, until I can't see straight. She nodded, gunned along the bypass, found the overpass, pulled up to the top, onto the shoulder, in park and set the brake. Left the engine running for now, good thinking. She was the picture of patience, letting me do my thing, content to sit here. Because it might help a child, that connected with her. She watched the traffic too, not like me but looking for that car. Traffic was light the first hour, just shoppers, tradesmen, folks with jobs that took them on the road. Not hard to see, none of them were our guy, mostly minivans and utility trucks. Even Jill could see that. She turned the engine off after that. Didn't use much gas to idle but who knows how long we'll be here. When school let out it picked up. Still minivans but the occasional sedan. I looked in each one, looked for a scared kid, black hair, under five foot Vietnamese. Probably alone with a man. Nothing. The third hour, work let out, it became a river of vehicles. Normal around here. A hell of a job to look in each sedan, not miss a single one, check each cabin, trunk, move to the next. Like bubbles rising from a hot spring, the existence of each car expanded in my sight, exploded, body and engine and passengers and upholstery and drivetrain, retreated, collapsed just as another approached, expanded into my awareness and turned out I had my eyes closed now, it didn't matter. I don't have to see the paint job to see what was inside. I was sweating, my temples were throbbing. Something in my head was aching, not used to concentrating like this, not for this long that I spared Jillian a glance, just using my eyes, she was worried about me, scared. She's never seen me like this before. I gave her a little smile. Water? She had a half-full water bottle on the back floorboards. Humped over her seat back, feet on the dash, leaned down, snagged it. Opened it, wiped the mouth, held it up for me. My mouth was bone dry. It was heaven. I felt her hands on my shoulders. She had figured out. She could sit on me, straddle me. It didn't make any difference to what I could see. Massaged my tense shoulder muscles, my neck. It helped a little. The throbbing lessened, and there she was, a thin stripling of a girl, Vietnamese preteen. Older sedan, in the trunk. Hands and feet bound with duct tape, tape over her mouth. Heart racing, muscles tense like a bowstring, scared out of her mind. Found her. That way. Jillian rolled off me, had the truck started, in gear in seconds, pulled a U-turn, horn blaring. Drove on the wrong side of the bridge, on the shoulder, circumventing the backed-up traffic, startling half a dozen commuters, dodged behind a bus, hit the ramp at speed, horns blaring behind. Don't lose him. She was excited now, heart racing, blood flowing. I'm not gonna lose him. She worked to make up ground loss getting to the ramp, scanning for the sedan, finding openings in traffic, head swiveling, passing aggressively, following my directions that we got close, just two cars ahead. Stay back a little, go the speed limit, don't let on that we're following. How will we stop him? I didn't know. 
If he didn't stop for hours, we'd be obvious when traffic thinned. The only one following dot if he stopped, some out of the way place, armed. What would we do? We couldn't leave. Wouldn't leave without the girl. That much was certain dot I in ten minutes, he turned on his blinker, changed lanes, careful and conservative, pulled onto the ramp dot we took the same exit, turned left, over the freeway, to a shopping center. Big box store, smaller stores adjoining. Jillian had made him by now, didn't need my help keeping up. Into the lot, he cruised past the main store, then a shoe store. Parked two rows back from the entrance of a lawn and garden center. Jillian drove past, found a spot five cars down, opposite, pulled in, turned the truck off. Now what? What's he doing here? Getting some tools? Nothing in the car, maybe he needs a shovel. We wait for him to go in, get the girl. We waited, saw him get out, locked the car carefully, glanced at the trunk. Went in, casual, unconcerned. We waited until he was inside, in the back, looking at axes, shovels, saws that I gave her the play-by-play. When I got to the part about axes she turned white. Kidnapping, murder, axes, shit had gotten real. Jillian was scared, afraid for the girl. Afraid for her baby. Pulse doubling, blood racing, extremities hot. I wondered if she would be able to function at all that I got out, approached the sedan. Jillian followed, unsure whether to go with me or bolt. Her entire body on high fight or flight, leaning strongly toward flight. My lockpicks were with me, taped to the inside of my belt. Last time I'd used them? On that brass padlock on the Richardson Hotel fire escape, an eternity ago. Picking a lock is, for me, opening a lock. A trivial thing, used the tension bar to hold the pin snug, used the pick to slide each into position and turn, the trunk popped. I opened it wide, the young Asian girl Lan Vu lay inside, on some rags, almost insensible with fear, eyes white, mouth taped, hands taped, shaking like a leaf, her pants wet, vividly smelling of urine and motor oil, and Julian got her shit together, just like that. I saw her seeing this girl helpless, deciding not to be scared, this child needed her, no time for scared. Nothing was going to stop her from saving this girl, nobody was going to harm Lan Vu. If that man had been here right then, why God help him I believe she would have broken his neck without hesitation. If he got between her and this child and why lover become a mom in that moment, pushed me aside, leaned, hauled Lan Vu out of the trunk, must be fifty pounds but lifted her like a feather, like she weighs nothing. Soothing her, the kid's shaking so she can't even walk so Jill just carried her to the truck, cradled in her arms. It's okay. We're going to take you home now. He can't hurt you anymore. I've got you now, SHHH. You're going to be fine. How much can I truly love this woman? I know, now dot I reclose the trunk, maybe give us a little more time. What next? Scanning the car, the glove compartment, sex toys, pliers, a carving knife, blowtorch, the registration. The guy was at the register now, arguing with the clerk. A price check. Apparently, the shovel was supposed to be on sale dot I had another minute. Unscrewing a valve stem cap, I used my tension bar to turn the core, let it pop. Out, and the tire began wheezing like an asthmatic. Scooped up the stem, tossed it down the storm drain. Back in the truck Jillian had the girl untaped, in her lap, holding her like a baby, talking to her. She was beyond comprehending anything Jill said, but her tone was having its effect the girl unfolded, clutched Jill, put her head on her shoulder, held on for dear life, sobbing now which was probably a good thing. I started up, backed the truck out, tooled past the sedan, that tire totally flat now, he's gonna be here a while. Where next? Jillian talked over the girl's head, pasted to her like a second skin, stroking her like a pet, making soothing noises. Highway patrol headquarters, a mile back. We'll start there. Traffic was worse, the ramp slow and go. Jillian kept looking back, anxious that I glanced up the embankment. He's still in the parking lot. Noticed the flat as he tried to back out. Gonna be a while dealing. Took us twenty minutes to go that one mile. Pulling into the patrol lot I parked at the front entrance, in a red zone, completely in violation of several ordinances. Waited for Jillian to get the girl unhitched, ease her out while I held her door. Jill took her by the hand and we went in, getting strange looks. Desk sergeant gave me a dubious stare, not sure what to make of us. This is Lan Vu? The girl in the amber alert? We took her from a car trunk at the Sierra shopping center, brought her here. It took three tries to get him to understand that we'd saved the girl from a kidnapping murderer that the man was still in the parking lot changing his tire. I gave him the license number, the car description, the man's description, his name and address from the registration in the glove compartment, the parking space where we'd left him. Things went fast after that. Alarms were sounded, calls made, officers gathered and given instructions, arms doled out from a vault, half a dozen cars squealed out of the parking lot, all told less than five minutes. 
Meanwhile, Jillian had found a woman in a side room, a lawyer, Hispanic, interviewing a client. Got her to understand. Knelt to tell Lon that she was safe here. This nice lady was going to wait with her until her mother arrived, then she could go home. Asked the lady, maybe find her some dry clothes, these had gotten damp. Matter of fact, an even pleasant voice, an island of calm for this traumatized child that we stood amid a milling crowd of officers, the scared girl sitting on a bench with the lawyer lady, talking quietly, soothing her. Saying she was safe here, her mom was on the way, she'd been called. How no power on earth could bother them, in a highway patrol station surrounded by a dozen armed officers, all there to protect her. It was over now. Telling the officers to get lost, this girl was not answering any questions right now, she was waiting for her mom, they wanted to be useful, find her some shorts from the goddamn lost and found. We're done here. Jillian understood, took me by the arm and we were out the front door, dodging officers coming in, going out, scrambling at the sudden upset of their orderly routine. Jillian drove, out the parking lot the other way, not taking the freeway. Rush hour was a madhouse, just cruising the bypass, heading toward downtown at a safe pace. Pulled up a side street unexpectedly, behind a clothing store, parked. Turned to me, took my face in her hands without a word. Kissed me like I've never been kissed before. Ike took a while. Never done a good turn like this one. Not this big anyway. She gave it all she had, and then some. Took her time, her hands wandering pretty freely, in my hair, under my shirt, in my shorts. I became acquainted with just how far her tongue could actually go down my throat. Pulled off me, slobbery. You're my big brave super guy. I'm gonna fuck you now. Make you come in me until it's dripping out my ears. So you know how wonderful you are. How much I love you. Love what you can do. That sounded just fine. A tall wood fence across the way. Blank back of the store on this side. Pretty solitary right here. Nobody coming our way. Anyway, just then, I don't think I cared if the ladies auxiliary bicycle club happened by. I was feeling it too. This was good. The finest thing we've ever done together. I suggested we retire to the truck bed. But Jillian was having none of it. She whipped her top off. Kicked off her shoes. Shucked out of her skirt. Then her tights. Then her panties. Took my hand, stuck my fingers inside of her cooch. Slid over, on top of me, naked in the truck cab, knees on the seat, began humping my hand, eyes wild, almost glassy, mouth open, tongue sticking out her lips, an animal in heat. She came once before I could get my shorts down, only one hand to work with and she was not cooperating, just grinding on me, sticking her tits in my face, a wild fuck beast with no thought of slowing. Shuddered, like she was overdue for a good coming and wanted to get it out of the way. Didn't stop, didn't slow, not for an instant that I got myself stuck out where I could do some good, wrapped one arm around her torso, lifted her bodily pulled my hand out of her to guide myself in, point my tip at her wet slot. She jolted when I socketed into her vulva, swiveled her hips to snug the tip inside, making some animal noises. Her hands on my shoulders were like iron, gripping me so she could hump better, almost violently, jabbing herself onto my stiff prick, humping up and slamming down again. Phew a yuck! Up and. Take me, girl fucker! As she went hump. Down. Up and. Fuck your woman's sex hole! And down. Up and. Put all your cum in me! And again. Make me your mate! And as she was all the way down, no longer talking, me all the way up in her, warm and wet and sliding into her like she was made for me, a fucktube custom made to couple with my cock, to drive me half insensible, to get me to release every ounce of semen my balls contained into her succulent body, which I did. Not so it came out her ears but nearly everywhere else, inside and out, spurting as she continued humping, wetting my shirt and her belly and our thighs and the seat, her juice and mine, coming and coming, running under my butt, back of the bench seat and filling the crack, a warm puddle under me, my butt sticky and warm, she held me, this naked orgasmic woman, leaned her head on my shoulder, arms around my neck. Shuddering and still coming, rocking on me, mouthing my neck, saying meaningless. Sounds sounds that meant. I'm gloriously satisfied with you. To my ears that I breathed for a while, unaccustomed to such violent affection, glad we'd met that day so long ago, but it seemed like yesterday, we were meant to meet and be this to each other. It took only half my lifetime to find her and that was okay, that was just fine, we are here now. She came back to me, lifted her head. God you're big. I feel like I'm stuffed by a thermos bottle. Full of warm milk and it's just dumped everything out in my insides, warm and jizzy. That pretty much covered the facts. I leaned my head down, found a nipple with my lips, nubbled it, sucked gently, just enjoying this awesome sex moment. MMMH, sweetheart? You're gonna have to turn that thing off, if I have any chance of undocking without opening the door. 
She meant my dick. Yeah, her head would hit the cab roof before she got hiked off of me in this state. I let the moment go, let my dick turn to its post-copulation state, flexible enough for her to slip her hips off backwards, bending and bouncing out of her, flicking come onto my chest. The gush from her pussy filled the crack between my thighs, began to leak between, drooling onto the floorboards. She ignored that, the truck apparently now our sex mobile, our love wagon, meant for getting slathered in jizz. Slid over under the steering wheel again, leaving a shiny snail trail on the seat, started the engine. You might want to put on maybe a shirt? She looked down, eyeing her tits, grinned at me, wrinkled her nose. You do it! Put the truck in gear, started out I couldn't find her shirt at first. We got three blocks before I saw where her feet had stuffed it, scrabbling around to fuck me so thoroughly, nearly unrecognizable as a wad of fabric jammed beneath the dash. I extracted it, shook it out, found the right holes, slid it over her head that she tilted helpfully my direction. She did the rest, holding the steering wheel with one hand, slithering the other arm up inside, out the armhole. Repeat with the other. Left it for me to snug down over her tits, not quick enough, not before an older gentleman raking his lawn did a double take. She drove like that the rest of the way home, that shirt ending at her belly button, her bottom half entirely naked, bare feet on the pedals, leaking from her angry red cunt. She parked in the street spot, hopped out, my nearly bare naked nympho pregnant wife, made a dash for the door with her strong butt. Legs and bare feet flashing in an entirely distracting way. Laughing over her shoulder, disappeared inside. I went more deliberately, tugged my shorts up, used my shirt to mop up the worst of the pooled mess, the seat and the floorboards, the dashboard, collected her skirt, her tights, her panties, her shoes, quite an armload, my saturated shirt dangling from the other hand, dripping a wet line up the walk to the door. Found her in the bathroom, standing in the shower. Using the hose to spray herself off. You covered me. She was gleeful, my happy sex girl. I dropped everything, slipped my shorts off, joined her. Let her spray me down top to bottom, sluicing the gunk off before I started smelling like fuck. Hungry now, wet and hungry and naked, we decided on a frozen pizza. Too jazzed to go out, make any plans, in fifteen minutes we were on the porch, drier but still naked, snarfing down slices of pepperoni and slurping up kiwi orange carbonated drink. The phone rang. I heaved myself up, so for some reason, all that tension I guess, hours of scanning cars, I'm getting too old for this shit. Answered. Billy's recovery service. Without thinking. Turn on your radio. It was Nick. What's up? I was blanking. What was she on about? Just do it. Give Jillian a big smooch for me. And bang her good, if you haven't already. You both deserve it. That was out of left field. Months ago, I'd have been shocked, embarrassed, tongue-tied if a young woman of my acquaintance came out with stuff like that. Now I just said, done and done, and let her go. I found the radio, on a shelf, unused, don't remember why I got it, haven't turned it on in years. Got a who was that? Look when I went back out, fell into the chair by the wall, plugged it in. Nick says turn on the radio. Fiddled with the dial, not sure what I was doing. Jillian took it from me, the cord barely reaching, tuned it to the local station, sat it on the table. A news announcer in the middle of a story. Mystery Good Samaritans. The missing local junior high school girl, taken from a school parking lot earlier today, delivered to the highway patrol headquarters, well and physically unharmed. Rescued from a mall lot, from the trunk of a car apparently, right under the nose of the kidnapper. Our Samaritans gave full information on the identity and whereabouts of the accused, then disappeared. When officers arrived, they found the man changing his tire, a murder kit on the back seat, purchased at the mall. As described by a citizen on the scene. Another voice, crackly excited. So about twenty cruisers, local, sheriff, highway patrol, everybody. Came in every entrance, blocked the lot, surrounded the guy. He just looked at them, confused, a tire iron in one hand. The cops kept yelling drop it get on the ground. He didn't get it at first, then figured it out. Tossed the wrench, knelt, put his hands behind his head. Five or six guys with guns surrounded the guy. One cuffed him, stood him up, stuffed him into a cruiser. Nobody hurt. Not a shot fired. All done in about two minutes. The stuff they pulled out of that car. Knives. An axe. A blowtorch. Weird sex stuff. This guy was a wacko. A real nut job. Who knows what might have happened? The announcer continued. I've been on this job ten years. I've never been so affected by a story. These two public-spirited individuals deserve our respect. Then dead air. For about fifteen seconds, just a faint crackle, a cardinal sin in radio. Then, in a broken voice. 
They've shown me, shown us, how we can all work together, take care of one another. Anonymously, with no idea of recognition or reward. We honor a weekly super citizen on this show. Usually it's a coach, a teacher, a mentor. Today, I've nominated you too. Well done, superwoman and mystery man. God bless you both. They cut to a commercial. Julian switched it off. We sat for a bit, finishing our soda, looking out at the waves. A couple of young studs walking, stopped to look up at us, at Julian. Admiring the view. Julian waved, they waved, continued on down the beach. I got up, joined Jill on the love seat. Put an arm around her, she snuggled in close. She is a warm, soft armful, cuddled up on the love seat, skin to skin, warming me, warming one another. This is nice. You were so brave. So were you. We did good. I wanted her to know that I understood. We took a risk, a risk ourselves, our baby. She waved away the flies, dismissing that. That girl is somebody's baby. We could not stand back while that happened, do the safe thing, pretend it was up to someone else. Agreed. My wife, superwoman. Our kids are in safe hands, I know that, and sure there could be no better mom. I got her now. Jillian has to help people, has to do good. She feels it from the bottom of her soul, needs it like food, like air, and she gets off on it. My chafing could attest to that. Gonna have to use some lotion later, reduce the redness that we sat until it got too cold to be out, naked. Went in, went to bed early, it's been a trying day. Just holding each other, safe in one another's arms. I know her better now, saw her under pressure, a woman of quick decision, iron will. Lay there looking at her, knowing her. Asleep, already, knowing she couldn't stop at one, we had to help others be safe too. Had to help them all. So much to do, Saturday somebody was hammering somewhere, making a terrible racket, Saturday morning. What were they thinking? All decent people were sleeping in doubt I blinked, eyes crusty and bleary, up half the night getting worked over by my nympho pregnant fiancé. I thought we worked through that yesterday, in the truck, behind the clothing store. Apparently our massive good deed had triggered something in her, made her a total sex mad fuck bunny, she'd banged me like a rabid weasel then, come twice in the pickup cab. I thought we'd both get a well-deserved night of sleep after that, but somewhere in the early hours I woke to a naked athletic cocksucker working me over. Too dark to see but I could see, it was Jillian. Once she had me hard, she climbed aboard, jacked herself in and bounced until the bed shook, banging against the wall. Humped me for a bit, came very wetly, soft cries, flopped off. In seconds she was back asleep, a pretty smile on her face. Took me not much longer, I was exhausted. Twice more since then. The sheets under my ass were still wet and cold from her leaky horny pussy spray. And my head thick and muddled, from interrupted sleep, from dehydration. I remember coming somewhere, probably in her? Not sure which end. Maybe more than once. My junk was still slimy for sure. My mouth, like a mummy, desiccated that I said something, more like a groan than words, but Jillian didn't answer. Out like a light, sleeping the undeserved sleep of the nocturnal sex kamikaze. Occurred to me, a good husband would take care of stuff like this, the noise, so his wife could get her sleep. Needed her sleep, what with all her screwing and baby growing and saving lives, gotta take care of her better now. Happy mom, healthy baby. That's what Kane said. She meant, well screwed mom but anyway, we'd covered that too. I sat up, waited for the dizzies to diminish, got to a standing position. The banging had stopped. Maybe I could go back to sleep. Looked longingly at the bed, at Jillian. She'd rolled over, stolen all the blankets that IT restarted. There it was again. Louder. Our front door. I struggled out the bedroom, blinking in the horrifyingly clear morning light, from the porch windows, way too bright for my frame of mind. Got as far as the door, realized I was naked, smeared in Jillian's juices, splotchy red from all her abuse. Just a minute. They got their attention. The banging stopped. Where were my shorts? I moved around aimlessly, looking for them. Oh, on the bathroom floor, stripped and forgotten when we got in last night. I struggled into them, hardly any better than naked, crusty sex stains in several places, but fuck em if they couldn't take a joke, they're the ones woke me up. I opened the door to a delivery truck pulling out. All that knocking, they didn't even wait, something else seemed wrong. The parking space, the one next to Jill's truck, that we never used except to put the cans out on Tuesday. It had stuff on it, blinking, trying to see it, then remembering, I could just see it, tried that. It wasn't much better. My dehydrated brain, overused yesterday, three or four hours of straining, ached at the effort of scanning thousands of cars. The stuff swam in my abused head, came into some kind of order. A potted plant. No, several, different kinds. Wooden crates filled with jams, teas, weird fruit I didn't recognize. 
some frightening dried mushroomy stuff in airtight bags, boxes and boxes of sesame candy, and toys, baby toys, blankets, hand-sewn clothes and bonnets, shopping bags full, some hand-me-downs, some new, some well-made, some lovingly, something warm and sexy was standing next to me. Jillian. Naked, softy and sleepy, way more beautiful than me after all that fornication, how did she not look sore and beat up? She was smiling her little contented smile, which helped, I feel better when I see that smile. But I was still just as confused. Th fuck. All I could manage to say, she laid her head on my shoulder, took my arm, snuggled in. Enjoying the moment but I was still not following, which made me annoyed for some reason I tried again. Th fuck? Not much clearer, but she answered this time. For the finder, dummy. Didn't make any sense either. Nobody knew I was the finder, not more than a few anyway, our family, our close friends. I couldn't think why they would do this. Th fuck? Still not getting it. She sighed her patient I love you thickhead sigh. For some reason I love when she does that. For finding that girl. Still not on board. Why would Nick send us a tree? King certainly didn't make any of those clothes. And sesame candy? I didn't even like it. Much doubt I was going to ask that, once I could get my brain to direct my tongue to form the words. But she elaborated. The community figured it out. Knows what we did. Knows that we are expecting. Knows we are getting married. All this, because they love us. Enlightenment. And then, panic. Everybody knows. Everybody. What now? Will there be newshounds cameras? Will the government come to take me away? Will I have to go on the run? Will they take my condo? Take Jillian. Do they all know I'm a monster? That let his mother die. All the silly awful childhood fears I'd kept so close, clutched to my chest, used as excuses to stay a hermit, came out in a burst, a flash of adrenaline hoarded for half a lifetime, singing in my veins like electric current. Everything got very bright, colors and vivid shades I'd never seen before, panic supercharging my brain, making me hyper-aware. Making my senses expand in a fight-or-flight nova of sensation. My sight expanded, lurching out, out, until I could see half the town, all in one incomprehensible exploded view. See all the Saturday morning people, shops, things, the sleepers, the early workers, the couples in their beds, enjoying the early light, enjoying their bodies, the coffee lady, opening her mall parking lot coffee kiosk, humming to herself, her vibrator buzzing happily in her cooch, lime scale clotting up her coffee maker pipes point two kids in a backyard, trying to light a pile of firecracker paper they'd unrolled from a whole string of crackers, excited, about to get their eyebrows burned off, the pigeons in their roosts, the rats like pepper sprinkled over everything, dogs sleeping, cats pretending to sleep, machines, glorious in their violent motion, fierce remorseless rotations, contained explosions, a kind of metal exoskeleton we wore, we lived in, structures and foundations, tunnels and bridges, layer on layer, centuries of building and destroying and rebuilding, inconceivably mixed and vivid and all one thing together, all different things. The panic faded. My sight returned to normal as the adrenaline thinned out, burned out. I had Jillian now. None of that bad stuff was going to happen. I had Jillian. Even if cameras came, news vans, it would be okay. I could take it. I was with Jillian, now. Repeating that mantra, my gasping breath slowed, my head cleared. I relaxed, put an arm around her, took a deep shuddering breath. Noticed she was naked, pregnant, outside, happy. I was nearly naked too. And it didn't bother me. We were here, together. This couldn't possibly be wrong in any way. She saw my play of emotions, one after another, quick as a flipbook, turned to face me, hold me, cheek against my chest, arms around me. Just being here for me, her go to family move. Oh, I love that move, so much. I'm okay. I know. I'm here, we're in this together. It seemed funny. People knew, yet everything was pretty much the same. No SWAT teams, no news vans, I'd seen it, all of it, and it was just, normal, like this was any other Saturday morning. Nobody seems to be getting very excited. She giggled. You're not that big a thing, sweetie. Just old Greg, same as always. Same as you have been for years. Except now, you've saved that girl. Something nobody can ignore. So I'm not anonymous? She put me at arm's length, looked me in the eyes. You never were, Goofus. I've been telling you. I knew about you before we met. Not you, you, just the finder, the stories. Only been here three days, I heard. Lost all my stuff, one of the bartenders said, maybe the finder can get it back. The only one lost, the only one who didn't know who you were, was Greg. Hiding from yourself? From all you'd been through, been hurt by, a lost boy. You will never be lost again.
not as long as you live. You have a community, the people you've helped. The Vietnamese community, they have no trouble believing in you, it's part of their culture, to admit such things as you are possible, even normal. They have always respected you, kept your secret from the rest of the world. Because you wanted it kept secret, and it was only polite. And people would have thought they were crazy, if they told. She smiled, wrapped me up again in those octopus arms. Wrapped one leg around mine, melted into me. Only thing is, now I'll have to share you. I love you, and they love you too, because of Lan Vu, what you did for her, for everybody, making them feel safe, knowing you are here, trying your best. What we did. She accepted that, to humor me, I think, somebody was coming up the walk, from the downtown direction. On foot, taking her time that I didn't flinch, dodged back inside, even care very much. We were naked, in love, outside, so what? And it was Kang, strange to see her so early on Saturday. She waved, Jillian spotted her, waved back. Untangled from me, waited for her, holding my hand. What brings you out? I had to get out of the shop. The phone won't stop. The visitors. Fuang. Driving me crazy. She was smiling as she said it. Visitors? Aunties. Seven so far. To arrange your wedding. Mrs. Tram. Mrs. Tram. Last night. This morning, three Nguins, two Vus, no relation. More by now. So, she knew about the girl, too. Jillian lit up, let me go, patted over, hugged her sister. Kang looked extra pleased to hug her back, one hand wandering down her naked hip, cupping her butt. Sweet. Those sisters are a joy together. Will seven be enough? Jillian was excited, wanted to know. Gonna have trouble finding something for them to do. I set Mrs. Tram to figuring it out. Not our problem anymore. I was curious. Phone calls? What's that about? She looked at Jillian, shared a sister rolling eyes face. Your brother's Greg. The guys that will walk with you, when you come over to get Jillian, your bride, take her home. Volunteers ready to stand with you, support your marriage, cousins and brothers and uncles, as many as you want, now. I swallowed hard. How many? A shrug, an I don't know face. Thirty? Fifty? Everybody? You have to feed them, by the way, at the reception. That didn't bother me. Ten thousand here, ten thousand there. It was not even on our radar anymore. Just as long as somebody was counting heads carefully. The aunties will let you know. Make all the plans. Send you the bill. Kang surveyed the drive, the piled boxes and shrubs and bags. Nodded happily. You know what this is all about. Who arranged it? I waved an arm at all the deliveries. Aunties. They know you are incompetent, wouldn't know what you needed to get, not raised Vietnamese, hopeless. Mrs. Tran phoned around, made sure you'd have it all, traditional gifts for your in-laws. Alarm. The aunties must have spent a fortune. They were on a fixed income. This expense could ruin them. No. They didn't pay shit. She just called. People sent the stuff. Nobody balked. They all just said give me his address. Never be any bill. I had a hard time asking any more questions. I had a hundred, but my voice was all stuck in my throat and I couldn't breathe properly without it coming out in gulps. Jillian saw, came to me, gently put my head on her shoulder, held me like a little boy needs to be held, when he finds out everybody really does love him, just as he is, sitting on the porch, showered and dressed finally, rehydrating with something I didn't even look at, just grabbed and drank. I was way behind by now. I listened to the sisters in the other room, my nieces. They'd come over too. Like a flock of birds, noisy and happy. They were going through the bags of baby things, exclaiming over every outfit, each cuter than the last. Kelly sorting them by age, by size. Even King had nothing critical to say, knew these all came from love, from family, were to be celebrated and not analyzed. Billy was loudest, her shrill squeal of glee over every little bonnet, every pair of booties, was why I was out here, where my abused brain could avoid splitting entirely. Nick came out, had her fill of baby talk, a spritzer in one hand. Pulled out a chair, next to me, sat, cracked the top, took a long pulled out we'd spent the last hour schlupping all that stuff into the extra bedroom. Rain coming in soon. A little sore but good sore. I needed the exercise after all that sitting motionless in the truck. Then the stress, then the bad sleep. Felt almost human again. Nick had not even noticed the effort. Done twice what I did. Didn't ask about the stuff. Already knew how this all worked. Would you walk with me? When I go to get Jillian from Kang and Fuang? I wanted to ask her before she wondered about it. What her part was to be dot a smile. Bumped cans. Took another drink. Who else you gonna ask? Besides everybody? 
Some important ones, needed to hear me asked, to be respectful. Mr. Pham? Tito, of course. I think Trevor. She approved of all those. Papa Conti, he would get a bang out of it, learning about other traditions. Nick had one. Bartender at the Lance? I smiled. I would if I knew his name. Got a laugh out of Nick. She didn't know his name either. We sat there watching the surf, the weather roll in, hiding out really, letting all that ruckus happen inside. Until we heard a knock, somebody delivered something, and I saw it, smelled it from the porch. Nick smelled it too, smiled. Italian? We went in, I overtipped the delivery gal. Helped open the takeout boxes, unpacked bread and salad and wine and sauce, spread it on the bar. Took some ourselves, left it to the family, fled back to the porch. Ambrosia. I remembered I hadn't eaten a thing since when? Yesterday morning? No lunch before going over to Fuang's, and that was just some of Jillian's Thai leftovers from work. Good, but didn't stick with you. We ate, mopped up the sauce with bread, drank from the tiny wine bottles Papa Conti always packed. You can't eat his chow without the proper wine. Burp like two dock workers, heedless. The noise inside had only increased. They'd started on baby toys, books, crib mobiles. No end in sight. Nick and I shared a look, stood together, out the porch and down to the sand. The Lance first? Or Trevor's? No time like the present, get these invitations done. Had to be done in person, Kang had let me know. Like the aunties, they didn't call, they came over, something like this needed to be face to face. We agreed, Trevor's, then we'd ask him for the other bartender's name, two birds with one stone dot on the dry sand, didn't want to get wet today, not with a storm coming in, it was slower going. Nick? What's next for you? How can we help get you set up, launched on the next challenge? She looked startled, uncertain. You don't um have to. She didn't want to ask, but I knew, could see Jillian had got to her. She knew we were going to help, no real resistance. Her whole posture made it clear to me. Swim lessons for a start? Then diving, time in a pool, then off a boat. Just send us the bill, won't take no. As many hours on the water as it takes. It's the least we can do, you're being a real friend to help out on this one. We both knew I meant, our criminal salvage escapade. She agreed, that would all be great, thanks. Then, boat pilot training, navigation equipment classes. You have a line on that yet? The shop in town has classes. Equipment rep comes down from the city twice a year. Next time is this winter. Not cheap. What's not cheap is getting stranded or stuck somewhere. Holding cargo we can't explain. Again, thanks for stepping up. Okay, she would look into that further. The hard ask, now. Jillian suggested, you need to take some time off work for all this. Let her know. We'll make up for lost income. No. No objections. You know Jillian, she gets her mind made up. We all just say yes ma'am. Easier for everybody that way. Nick was not comfortable with that one dot. I won't tell her how to feel. Not my place. I changed tone, getting totally honest. Nick. Everything we know is going to change, come spring. Some few of us know why. How? We have to make plans. Next few years, the news will get out. People will start making a fuss, sister. We want to be ahead of that, before this first kid grows up, and all the kids after, so they have a chance to live a useful life, be appreciated for who they are, do their amazing things. Part of that is Tito, Kelly, their agency. Keeping the family safe, knowing what's coming before it gets here. Head off trouble, so nobody gets hurt. They're on board with that. We're their first big client. Another part is people we can trust, useful people with skills, people who understand and accept. The more the better. Family, I think. Us, you, me, Billy, more? Yes, I mean family, really. You're my niece, you and Billy, like it or not. Not because of, what does Fuang say? Not in some tedious blood way, but in spirit. We're family because we say we are. Nobody gets to tell us no, it's just a fact, a thing accepted. And family? Doesn't count favors, doesn't add up costs, budget or exchange or keep a balance sheet. We give and help and support with what we have. Not just some, or a lot. With all of it, everything we've got. Nick was listening, nodding, understanding. Tears were streaming down her face, wetting her shirt, her shoes. Because Nick is like that, her emotions just bust out, and she never apologizes for it, just lets it happen, her heart pinned on her sleeve for anybody to see. And for her, having a family was clearly a tender spot, a place she wanted to go but didn't want to ask. Because, you have to ask, you already know the answer? We're so lucky, we have a lot to share. We're gonna share it freely, any way it helps, among family, all of us. So, you will take Jillian's advice? Learn what you need to learn more. 
Develop skills, dive and pilot, drive, defend yourself, everything, from the best teachers you can find? Backed up by family, by this amazing opportunity we have, to support anything and everything we can think of, deep, deep pockets, no limits. Your part, and I'm sorry if you don't see it this way but Jillian loves you and you are her niece and mine and part of this family. Your part is to figure out how you fit, learn what you need to succeed, to be the best you can at what you become. And use it for yourself first, and family next, and help build a really amazing future for everybody. That last part sounded pretty goofy, even to me. If I say it enough times, I will convince myself we can do it. It's worth doing that we stopped, me waiting patiently for Nick's shoulders to stop heaving, get herself sorted. Then she hugged me, fiercely, which I enthusiastically returned, I love my niece too. Got her breathing under control that we continued up the beach, the same but completely different. Because my niece has a family now. How did she take it? I considered, taking my time, watching the tail end of the storm blow by. Family had gone back to their various places, leaving Jill and me, and quite a mess. She was emotional. And Jillian nodded, of course she was, Nick was pretty much defined by that. And reluctant at first. Independent streak, used to making her own way, used to no support at all. In the end I laid it out, told her she was family, no argument, love isn't rational. Jill kissed me after that one, she liked that, it sounded just right. So, she'll let us pay for these classes, that's settled. Take our money, to make up for time lost from work. But more important, she'll ask when she needs something, accept help from her loving auntie, her goofy uncle. Try to stop being hesitant, be bold and brave and dare to think big. That was pretty much everything. Jillian was done asking questions, turned her attention back to loving me up. That was very nice for a while. I tried to give as good as I got. I think I succeeded. Sounded like she was enjoying it anyway. Coming up for air. Wet cheeks. Mischievous grin. We're gonna be married. Soon. With everybody watching. Deep breath. She was just trying it on. Testing me. Helping me learn what Nick was learning. To accept help. Love and support. I smiled. A forced smile but I was getting better. Some of it did sound pretty good. Walking with the community to fetch my wife from her sister and grandfather. Making her my wife. Intimately. That was gonna be pretty fun. Never mind she's already pregnant. Our first time as a married couple. Then the church, not at all sure what was going on there, but I just had to appear in a suit and pay the clergy. I have that one down. And then, a big party. Arranged by Jillian's aunties. A whole boatload of them. We had aunties now, maybe a dozen, doing their best to make it an amazing day. I can do this. I can do this. I keep repeating it. I may even begin to enjoy it. It was my idea after all. Jillian giggled, amused at my discomfort. She was gonna be the real reason it all worked for me, the pot of gold at the end of this particular rainbow. She lay back, not done with me but taking a break, got a little thoughtful. Whatcha thinking? In no hurry, she was gonna be my wife, my sex buddy, my partner forever. Just thinking about how we started. About our house in the country. This baby, babies to come. Family. Us together for always. And just like that she was crying, happy and tears all mixed up, and I understood.